I'd like you to open your Bible over to Psalm 51. I've entitled this today, Starting Out on the Right Foot. As any time is a good time to get right with God, this day, today, December 31st, 2017, New Year's Eve, is especially a good time as we are on the verge of starting a new year. Now, lots of things happen in that regard. You know, I know there are people who make New Year's resolutions and and so forth, and the vast majority of those are never kept, many times because they're too lofty. They're too much. People bite off too much at one time and don't think about what it is they're making a commitment about. But this is a commitment that we're talking about today that is one that we can accomplish, one that is incredibly important for us. Not only that, but I think all of us would love to go into the new year feeling a whole lot better about ourselves and about what this year can bring into our lives spiritually in a positive way. And that is what we're looking at today. The true Christian life works from the inside out. The true Christian life is not religion. All right, religion is man's effort to bind himself back to God. That's not Christianity. Christianity is God sending his son into the world to provide for us eternal life. Religion teaches you have to give and commit and do all these things to get God's acceptance. No, the Bible teaches us that the grace of God has appeared unto all men. Okay, the grace of God that brings salvation, that is found in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. It's not a matter of what we send up to God, it's a matter of us accepting what he sent down to us in the person of Christ and what he did for us. Now, there are many believers in Christ who are going through the right motions in the Christian life, but they're going through them for all the wrong reasons. Real spiritual progress is something that has become foreign to them. Maybe they knew it when they first got saved. Okay, if you've trusted Jesus Christ the Savior, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to me, all right? This has to do with the believer mostly. And we all start out on the right foot. I mean, you're saved, you're clean, you're forgiven, you're a child of God. It's all new at one point. Do you remember when it was all new? It's a, it was a wonderful day. I remember it like it was yesterday. But what happens over time is that we start getting entrapped. What happens over time is that we start getting bogged down with stuff in the Christian life. Or we go through things and we don't deal with them properly. We don't get them taken care of. And so what happens is we carry them. There are weights on our back and we carry them and it wrecks our daily walk. It wrecks every day. There's there's an aspect of every day that's messed up. Well, how do you fix that? Well, Psalm 51 deals with that. Psalm 51 deals with that. Many believers are living lives that are in bondage to one sin or another, and they live in denial that their lives are in bondage to something. They've lost their passion for serving the Lord and caring about the plight of the lost, those who don't have Christ. What happened? What happened? Well, more importantly, how do you get back? to where God wants us to be. We're going to look at this today. Psalm 51, the first thing we're going to look at is the need for self-examination. The need for self-examination. Until we get to the point where we are going to be honest in examining ourselves before God, letting God reveal to us what's going on in our lives, because until you know and until we're honest with that, no progress is going to be made. 
We can just spin our wheels, spin our wheels, spin our wheels, but we never get out of the mud. When we see ourselves as we really are in light of Scripture, what it does is it drives us first to the foot of the cross. And we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior because we know that we're lost. We know we need a Savior and we trust Christ. And then once we're saved, it drives us back to the Lord to help us, get this, as sinful people. All right? As sinful people. Psalm 51 is a psalm of confession. It is the psalm of David. David was a believer. David is described in scripture as a man after God's own heart. David knew what it was like to walk with God. And yet he was going through a period of time, had been going through a period of time, as we're going to see in just a moment, that was brutal internally. He was covering his sin, but he wasn't getting his sin fixed. Okay? David was guilty of committing adultery with Bathsheba. But not only that, he was guilty of having her husband murdered in the process. Now think of that. David finally confesses his sin is what we see in Psalm 51. But folks, get this. His sin came a little over nine months later. Or excuse me, his confession came a little over nine months later later. So he carried the conviction of what he had done for nine months. It was in many ways secret. As a matter of fact, it isn't until he is confronted by Nathan the prophet that he quote unquote fesses up, you might say. Very interesting. By the way, it was was kept secret and yet God tells Nathan the prophet to approach David about his sin. Now think about that for just a second. If we ever think that we can hide our sin, that we can live in secret in our sin, folks, it's just a matter of time before God might tap somebody and say, go confront that person about their sin. Might say, can he do that? Yeah, he can do that. That's what he did with David through Nathan, the prophet. Nathan went and he told him a story. And Nathan says, what do you think about somebody who would do that? Well, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, really paraphrasing. Guy who would be that way is low life. And Nathan says, you're the man. It was like driving a stake through his heart. He knew he was found out. By the way, does not the word of God say that? Be sure your sin will find you out. David's confession came a little over nine months after his Sin. As a matter of fact, hold your place here in Psalm 51. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, David is describing what it felt like for him to live this secret life. What it felt like for him to not be right with God and to carry the burden of his sin that he had not dealt with before God. Psalm 32, we'll pick it up in verse 3. It says, when I kept silence, look at this, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. What a description of conviction. Wow. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. You see, he finally confessed his sin, was honest about the situation, and he saw himself for what he was. And when he confessed it and was honest and saw himself for what he was, that mind process is recorded for us in Psalm 51. 
So let's go there, Psalm 51, in verse 1. How appropriate when we see ourselves for how we really are. The first four words, have mercy upon me. Look at that. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, compassion, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly, we would say today thoroughly, okay, all the way through. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He couldn't get it out of his mind. The hand of God's conviction was on his back. He could not get it off his mind. And he says, enough. I'm tired of carrying my rebellion. I'm tired of carrying the conviction. I'm tired of being miserable as a believer. Verse four, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. You notice that no candy coating. No talk like, well, you know what? Yeah, I committed that sin with Bathsheba, but after all, God, you're the one who put the desires in me. You made me human. I'm a man. No, no candy coating it. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. You see, our sin is first against the Lord. That was his point. Our sin is first against the Lord because it is God who has given us the standard of truth and righteousness. So when we sin, we sin first against him. He's not saying that when we sin, we do not sin against others and hurt them because we know other scriptures that make it very clear. We sin against God, but we sin against others as well. And when we sin against people, okay, offend them, hurt them, abuse them and so forth, gossip about them, that's a sin against God first. Verse 5, behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me, okay? It doesn't mean that the uh, conception, his conception was sinful, but what it brought about was a sinner, just like you and me, okay? Folks, when we were conceived, we were conceived sinners. The curse was on us because we were conceived of sinners. That's just the way it is. Verse 6, here you go. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Do you see that, folks? Let me say uh, why one of the things that makes that so important. He's not saying thou desirest truths on the outside. He's saying thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Truth in the inward parts. This is where oftentimes we oftentimes fall short of what God really wants for us. Here's a question for us today. Do we really want truth in the inward parts? Do we want God's truth to reign in the inward parts of our being? This is where the freedom is found. Going through the motions, learning the lingo, okay? Carrying the right Bible, even coming to church, even being somewhat, quote unquote, active. God is desiring truth in the inward parts. Do you know what? Because here's the issue, folks. See, we can go through the motions and we can stay in line because we don't want people talking about us if we become carnal and things like that. But you know what? If we have truth in the inward parts and we are responding to it properly, the outside's going to take care of itself. That's God's way, by the way. 
Not a bunch of rules to make us look good. A right spirit to where what we produce is the work of God. Do we want truth in the inward part? See, the truth of it is this. Many times we are controlled by pride. That's what David was controlled by. It's why he kept hiding it. Nine months, the pressure of God was on him. The conviction of God was on him. And he fought it. He fought it. He fought it. He would not give in to it. He would not deal with it in his life. Nine months of misery. Not one second of it did it have to be. You see, it may not be open rebellion that we have, but an insistence that we will have our own way. We don't want to admit how sinful we are. We figure that as long as we appear to be spiritual, we are spiritual. As long as we appear to be godly, we are godly. Can I tell you this? The local church can be one of the most wicked, fierce places on the planet. Why? Because this is where the devil is at work, is to destroy believers so it ruins their life, so they are ineffective in reaching other people for Christ. Remember, every life, there's a stopwatch on it. There's a timer on it. There's only so much time. And if we waste our lives, we've wasted our lives. If a lost person never hears the gospel and never trusts Christ the Savior, their life can never be relived. They're not going to be reincarnated. They'll spend forever separated from God. So God is working in the lives of believers. This is why we need to be careful. This is why we need to be sensitive to the Lord. We don't want to admit how sinful we are. So what do we see first? We see, number one, we see the need for self-examination. Folks, we do need to examine ourselves. And can I say today, if it's been a long time since you've examined yourself, And I would say this for me, if that was the case with me, we better get at it because we're never going to be what God wants us to be until we first have self-examination. But secondly, there needs to be the desire to be transformed. And that's what David had. He not only examined himself, was honest with God, confessed his sin, but he also had a desire to be transformed. We see that in verses seven through 12. He says in verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou has broken may rejoice. Now, did he have literal physical bones broken? Probably not. But spiritually speaking, he was broken up. Why? Because he had been under this burden and he was crushed by the conviction of God in his life. He was crushed by it. You see, he had lost his joy as a believer. Let me ask you a question today. Have you lost your joy as a believer? Have you lost it? Verse nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. He has a desire to be transformed in verse 10. Wow. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a right spirit within me. He's not asking to be saved. He's already saved. He's asking to God, restore me, Lord. Clean me up, Lord. Purge me of my sin. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Look at these two things. Create in me a clean heart. You see, the heart is the immaterial part of a person. It's the real you. It's the mind. It's related to the mind. Now, I don't totally understand all of how man is made up, and I'm always suspect of those who say, oh yeah, that's a piece of cake. No, it's not. It is the innermost being of a person, okay? David says, Lord, I need transformation. Create in me a clean heart, all right? Hold your place here and look with me to Matthew chapter 15. You know, it's so easy for people to say, well, you know, if you're struggling with this sin or that sin or this thing or that thing, you know, you're, you're not saved. You're not saved. You need to get saved. Well, I got saved. Well, you need to get saved again. Well, let me tell you something. If you have to get saved again, you didn't get saved the first time. Once you're saved, you're saved forever. Or this one. Well, you know what? If you're doing this or that, you're probably never really saved to begin with. You had a head belief, not a heart belief. Oh, I hate that religious jargon. I just hate it. No, friend, David was a believer. You're going to deny that, that David was a believer? Yet this man did heinous sin in his life, yet he was still a believer. But you see, you couldn't see what was going on in him, but it was going on in him, just like in us. Matthew 15, 18, Jesus said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart. They defile a man, verse 19. Now look at the language here. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Is that not the mind? Yes. The innermost being of man. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Okay, the Pharisees, well, you know, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Are you following Christ or are you just trying to be a mother? Okay, some of you got that. Wash your hands before you eat, okay? No, listen, listen. It's what's inside that is the issue. That is what defiles a man. Not from the outside, it's from the inside. A person will, will not get anywhere spiritually until they are clean inside because what we are inside is the core that drives the person who we are inside psalm 51 is all about the inside all about the inside and how it works itself out create in me a clean heart that was his desire now how does that happen well we're in the psalms look with me to psalm 119 Created me a clean heart. First, of course, is to confess our sin to God. That is to see it. Homologeo is the Greek word. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means to see it as God does, take God's side against it, okay, to view it as he does. If we see it as God does, we're going to take his side against that sin. We're going to name it as it is see it as it is. But you know what? uh, That is the beginning of that. But what keeps a person clean and what gets a person to where they're walking the way they should as a believer? Psalm 119 verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. You see that? It's the word of God that cleans the life. 
And it does something. It isn't just a matter of reading it and saying, okay, I read my three and a half chapters today. Whoo, boy, I'm glad I got that. Aren't I something? Have you read your three and a half chapters today? Boy, guess what? You just wrecked everything that you tried to do that day. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed, not just reading, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Look at verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. That's where David was at in his prayer of confession. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay? Folks, now is the time to confess our sin. Today. All right? Now is the time to get help from God. Not tomorrow, not next week. Not, oh, how Christian ease this is. Well, I'll pray about it. Now is the time to get help with the areas where we are failing. And you know what? We know where we are failing. It's a time to get honest about our condition and to get help and to do something about it by the grace of God. Not wait, not justify, not put it off, not carry it for another year or months or weeks. Now is the time to get help. Create in me a clean heart. But secondly, you notice what it says in that verse, renew a right spirit within me. Again, the word of God is what cleans us up. The word of God is what brings renewal to us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We want to be renewed. The way we get renewed is letting the word of God have its way in our lives. Listen, when we let the word of God have its way in our lives, we're letting the God of the word have his way in our lives. This is what brings about change. This is what frees us up. This is when the chains fall off and we are finally free and we're seeing clearly because we've been open, open, completely open with God about how we are. Folks, that's what God's looking for. And you might say, well, I'm not so bad. Sure you are. Yeah, you are. We all are. You don't know how sinful you are until you grow spiritually. And as you grow spiritually, you start seeing how perverse you are in your human nature. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say if you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, you're walking in the spirit. Just not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, that's religion. But walking in the spirit is only something a child of God can do. It's a spiritual life. And when we are walking in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Who gave us the word of God? The Holy Spirit. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Let's go back to Psalm 51. Here we come over a verse in this uh, passage that has been very misunderstood and very much misapplied by people. There are many in people who believe you can lose your salvation. They love to point to this verse, yet they're really misunderstanding the nature of Scripture. They don't understand the dispensational perspective. 
Psalm 51, verse 11, it says, Cast me not away from thy presence, okay? And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Ah, ah, you see that? You can lose your salvation. No, you can't. You can't lose your salvation. There's too many verses that show us you can't lose your salvation. He gives us everlasting life. He says we'll never perish. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, Ephesians tells us. Do we understand that? He's the down payment. He's the earnest that we receive the moment we trusted Christ. Remember the context of Psalm 51 is not eternal life. The context of Psalm 51 is fellowship with God and walking with him through life. You see, in the Old Testament economy, the Holy Spirit was particularly related to service rather than salvation. When we talk about the Holy Spirit not being taken from somebody, it was an issue of God's hand being on them and being used by God. That's the point. Let me show you this. Look with me to John chapter 14. Jesus here, now this is before the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. And since Pentecost, everyone who trusts Christ the Savior, the moment they believe, they receive the Holy Spirit. And they are sealed and they have the Holy Spirit the rest of their lives. Jesus was talking about that. He said in John 14, 16, And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. How long? Forever forever. So during this dispensation of grace in which we live today, the Holy Spirit is a present possession who, by the way, we not only possess him, but he possesses us. He lives literally inside our bodies. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. So going back to Psalm 51, when David says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me, Cast me not away from thy presence. What he wanted to do is he wanted to live in the presence of God. Another way of saying he wanted to live walking in fellowship with God. He wanted there to be that closeness between him and the Lord. David was a man of sensitivity. He was a sensitive man. He could sense when things were not right between him and God. He could sense that. And he said, oh Lord, I've been all this time. I've been messed up. I want to get back and walk in fellowship with you again. I want things to be right. I want you to restore the joy of my salvation back to me. That comes in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You notice he didn't say save me again? No. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You can be a believer and not have the joy of your salvation. Yet you have salvation, you just don't have the joy of it. I think that's what Jesus talked about when he talked about in John 10, 10. I am come that they may have life, eternal life, and that they may have it more abundantly, abundantly there. The word means overflowing in quality and quantity. I think it has to do with the abundant life. It has to do with, with living a life that has the fruit of the Holy Spirit going on in it. One of the fruits is what? Joy, joy. It's what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the believer who's walking in fellowship, yielded and obedient to the Lord. This is what David wanted in his life. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Lord, I've lost the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. You see, if I have lost the joy of my salvation, then there is something wrong with me spiritually. Now listen, folks. You might say, well... I feel like you're talking to me. I'm talking to all of us. Because this cuts right to the heart 
of a child of God. We need to examine ourselves, the need for self-examination. We've seen the desire to be transformed. David says, I've examined myself. I am a mess. I need transformation. Lord, would you please transform my life? Whatever it is, I yield myself to you. Let me put it in simple terms. Fix me. Will you fix me? I messed up. I need help. Okay? Verse 9. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. He was sensitive. He knew when God's hand was and was not upon him. He was sensitive to the Lord in his life. This is what made David David. That's why he wrote the Psalms. Hand-picked, folks. That's why when we read the Psalms, it's like, boy, this is exactly the way I'm feeling. This is exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's not accidental. He was sensitive to the Lord in his life. Now, some people may say, well, then why did it take him nine months to confess his sin? Because of his will, because of his stubbornness, because of his pride. Just like us. Just like us. See, our sin natures, folks, are stubborn. David's sin nature was no different than ours. He wanted to have that free liberty in his soul, the freedom that comes from being in fellowship with the Lord and being right with him. He had come to a point where that's what he wanted, but he allowed himself to be in bondage for months and months and months, carrying the weight of his sin. Third, we see the desire to be used. The desire to be used. There's the desire to be transformed, and then there's the desire to be used. And that's what we see in verses 13 through 19. David still wanted to be used by the Lord in ministry. And God did use David in ministry. In a different way, yes. There were some limits, yes. His family was messed up. It never got repaired, by the way his relationship to some extent, but he wanted to be used. Verse 13. And you notice it says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with the free spirit, of course, created me a clean heart and so forth. Verse 13. Then you notice that then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You see, once we get right, and once our desires are right, and once we're in fellowship with God, now God can use us in reaching other people and having a profound ministry in the lives of others. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Boy, what a word that is. Blood guiltiness, the shedding of blood. I think it's referring back to his having Uriah murdered. I'm guilty. Deliver me from that. Deliver me from that. And you notice what he says, Lord, if you will do that, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. He'll be a witness for the Lord. Verse 15, 
O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. You see, one of the great keys to us being effective for the Lord is that we would open our mouths. Verse 16, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. God, what you're looking for is you're looking for us to be right on the inside. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. All right? It's a question today. What about you and me? Are we being truly honest with the Lord about the way we are? Folks, today would be a good day to just lay bare before God, spiritually speaking. Say, Lord, would you fix me? Lord, I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of covering up. Lord, I've got secret sin in my life. Lord, I'm confessing that to you. I want to be rid of it. Would you wash me thoroughly and cleanse me? Will you create in me a clean heart? Will you renew a right spirit within me? Wouldn't that be a great way to go into the new year? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. See, it isn't that we can fool the Lord. Unfortunately, when we think that we can, we're only fooling ourselves. Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 7. It says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Let me say today, you could possibly be here and you might say, You know what? I need Christ. I'm not even saved. I don't know where I'm going when I die. Can I tell you, dear friend, you can be sure of going to heaven before you ever walk out of here. Let me explain it to you, okay? Let's pretend this is you and me, this hand. This wallet represents our sin. The Bible says, God says, he loves us, but he hates our sin. To go to heaven, you have to be rid of your sin. It all has to be gone. Your sin has to be paid for. God says our sin separates us from him. You have to be perfect to get in. No one is. So then what are we going to do? How are we going to go to heaven? Well, religion says, oh, do good works. But nowhere in the Bible does it say good works take away sin. It's good to do good works, but they will not get you to heaven. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our good works will not save us. Well, if the best I can do will not take away my sin, then I have a serious problem. Yes, we do. Because if we die in that condition, we'll be forever separated from God. But God doesn't want that for us. He took on flesh, this hand representing Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin upon himself. He had none of his own. He took our sin. He made the payment for our sin so that we don't have to. He was buried. He came back from the dead. And the Bible says this, if you will put your faith, your trust in him that he made that payment for your sins, he will give you that moment, everlasting life. He will save you forever that moment. It's a gift. It's what Christmas is all about. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If not, would you today trust in Jesus Christ that he's paid for all of your sin? You see, when you put your faith in him, he saves you forever from that very moment. God is that good. He is that gracious. He would do that for you and for me. Let me say, if you're a Christian, where are you at today? Where are you at? You ready to get squared away with the Lord? Maybe you're in a situation where you say, you know what? I've been running, 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 justifying, justifying, justifying. You know what? You can start out on the right foot this new year. Matter of fact, you could do it today. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.